All right, now we're back. All right, cool, cool. All right. All right, can you hear me good? Yep. All right, awesome. Okay. Hopefully, I think we should be good for the connection. I don't know why I just went out. Okay, awesome. All right, so uh, what's up, guys? Um, welcome to the uh, Threes of Cloud podcast uh, with your hosts, uh, Trey and Trey. Um, we got a special Christmas edition for you guys. Um, discussing uh, NBA opening night, discussing these NBA Christmas Day games, um, also discussing, you know, kind of what Christmas means to us. So appreciate you guys tuning in um, to to the podcast. I know everybody's probably busy ripping and running or just chilling with the family, you know. So really appreciate the, you guys taking the time out to take a listen to this podcast. So, um, you know, we kind of want to get right into it. So uh, we kind of have a brief discussion, uh, but has some connection issues. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get into opening night with the Lakers versus the Clippers and the Nets versus the Warriors. Um, just giving the observations uh, for opening night as well as these Christmas Day games. So um, I'm going to let Trey go ahead and start off um, and discuss the uh, Lakers and Clippers um, and just kind of his observations uh, from the game. And that's kind of uh, where he thinks uh, both teams will go moving forward. Okay, so like uh, like I previously mentioned, I honestly going into the game, I had zero expectations for the Clippers, and I had already told myself no matter how they perform, I wasn't <laughs> gonna get too high on it, and I'm not gonna get too low on it either because you know like we me and you discussed honestly, and you brought up a great point. Even though they they lost, and the way that they lost was it seemed really really bad especially in the closing moments when the game was somewhat in reach or they couldn't really put an end to any of those runs and mm-hmm. Paul George is hitting the side of the goal <laughs> really he hit the front of the goal from the side nobody really noticed that but just the fact that with, even with all of that they were still right there like they still had multiple double digit leads in every single one of those games right. and just lost it and had they went on to the next round who knows? Maybe they beat the Lakers, but I don't know. That that Denver matchup was just no good for them. But looking at that game, honestly, I was very – I wasn't surprised at LeBron's performance at, at all whatsoever. We, we saw his effort in the preseason. Everybody knows he's, he's most likely just going to work his way into shape throughout the season. Right. They just got finished playing, and he is older for sure. I think he'll be 36 in a couple of days. Yeah, I was surprised by Anthony Davis's performance because I thought it would be widely known that LeBron's kind of just going to coast, but that like AD, you know, we're already expecting you to kind of be the the future focal after point. LeBron, but the right. focal point exactly, especially with talks about people making him their possible MVP candidate, like such as Shannon on on um on undisputed, undisputed, but yeah. you know. I, I wouldn't go that far, but still, I thought he would be a little bit more assertive in that game. I was impressed with Paul George. I'm not going to get too high on it because, obviously, we know how Paul George is. You yeah, know, do it in the playoffs, man. Yeah, yeah just, we just need you to do that in the playoffs. That's all anybody needs you to do, all right? And then Kawhi's performance, Kawhi played, played – he played good. He didn't play – that wasn't nothing spectacular. He didn't treat it like it was a statement game like the last season. Mm-hmm. So I think we'll kind of see both of the teams for the most part going through the motions. But like I said, I was surprised by AD's lack of aggression or assertion in that game. Mm-hmm. And also I will say the Clippers offense did a lot did look a lot better 
even though they still weren't able to get a point guard, it seems like the motion and the way the offense was flowing was definitely better. Yeah. And so, regardless, and I don't, I'm not going to put any of the blame on Doc, but Doc is more of a defensive coach. And I feel like there's something that he got away with in Boston, obviously, because you had multiple Hall of Famers in your starting lineup. Even right. though you do you do here too, but those guys were dogs, and we see how Paul George is a little bit fragile. So, <laughs> no, I agree with you. I mean, um, the game itself um, it was pretty much what I expected. Um, I did think the Lakers would come out with a little bit more intensity, uh, but it is opening night. Like I said, they um, like I said with the seventy-one days to get ready. Um, there was expected rust. Even Frank Vogel before the game said that his guys weren't in shape. Um, the one thing that I think moving forward that will be an interesting uh, matchup was that um, the addition of Serge Ibaka over Montrez Harrell, which is basically the swap that they made. Um, I think that's going to be – it's going to pay dividends for them. And I think you saw that early in the game in the sense of they finally have a guy that can truly stretch the floor in Ibaka – and then also a guy that nobody's going to stop AD, but I think he's much more of a bother to a guy like Anthony Davis over a guy like Montrezl Harrell or Zubak. I just think his veteran, you know, ability to play defense and positioning, I think will really suit them in the playoffs. And then also by playing Ibaka at the five, it allows them to now move Zubak uh, to the uh, backup position. Now Zubak was their starting center last year, all of last year. Now he can dominate backup centers. And a lot of teams one, a lot of teams don't even have one good center, let alone a backup center. And right. also, I, and I think the Lakers also, I think, I know these guys didn't score a lot of points and, and, and they weren't the biggest names for the team, but I really do think the Lakers are going to miss Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee, especially for their second units, because Dwight Howard's ability to have rim protection is um <laughs> literally um inside joke there but uh Dwight Howard um you know his ability to <laughs> defend and rebound um I think they're gonna miss that I really do because you saw last year teams were kind of afraid to go in the paint on the Lakers because you had AD with Dwight Howard those are two very long six foot ten six foot nine guys that can block shots now with Mark Gasol in there, nobody's afraid to go to the paint because Mark Gasol's a matador at the rim, especially at his age. Um, so if he's not spacing the floor on offense, he's a liability on defense. And I think you saw guys like Kawhi, Paul George, Lou Williams, whatever they got in the game, they're like, okay, it's open season at the rim because there's no rim protection. So I think the Lakers will need to address that with a big – I don't know who's out there, but they need to get somebody in there that can uh, take up that backup center position minutes um and then also i agree with you about the offense i think ty Lu definitely has the more free-flowing um he did mention that he wanted to put some more triangle sets in there for Kawhi uh to dominate at the mid post area uh, where kobe and jordan dominated so you saw some of that to get him more efficient looks um but ultimately as we both know as most nba fans comes down it comes down to whether or not paul george is going to show up or not because in a playoff series if these two theoretically do meet you know lebron's going to show up you know Anthony Davis is going to show up. It's just – I'm sorry, we got to take care of this dog. But um, but it's a matter of Paul George wants to show up. Is Paul George going to be the man to show up, do his job, and compliment right. Kawhi when it really matters? Because we know what Kawhi is going to do. just a matter if Paul George wants to join him. 
Um, so, like I said, I was impressed uh, by the Clippers. Like I said, not going to read too much into it because they dominated opening night last year as well without Paul George, and we saw what happened. So, uh, it was a good first one for the Clippers. I think they did need that um, to build their confidence after blowing that 3-1 lead to the Nuggets. And like I said, even though it is regular season, I think they did need that win just to show, hey, we can beat these guys and we are on this level. So, I thought that was a, a definitely a good starting point for them. Um, but, you know, talking about the next game, uh, well, the game that was actually previous was uh, Warriors and Nets. Uh, <laughs> kind of not a pretty game. Um, it was a beat down from start to finish pretty much from the Nets um, against the Warriors. Um, it's kind of what gets your thoughts on the game. Uh, kind of what did you think about the KD-Kyrie pairing? Uh, what do you think about Steph and the Warriors? And just kind of like I said, uh, them moving forward towards the season. Well, even though that game was a blowout, it was actually my favorite game of the night because I really I really enjoy the play styles of Kyrie and KD. But I was really I was really excited to see how KD would be when he came back. Me and you have discussed on numerous occasions that we already knew that he would be fine just because of number one, his play style. He's not an explosive at the rim type of guy, anything like that, even though he can be. I mean, it's not going to take too long when you, you know, a million feet tall and you move like a guard. But the fact that, you know, the Achilles he tore, it wasn't his jumping leg. And then also the fact that he had a super long rehab. So, right. you know, you and I both had expectations that he'd be KD again for the most part. And he was. So, honestly, that was the most exciting exciting part for me on opening night. And then, obviously, Kyrie cooking. You know, I know the media always jumping on him, but they act like he can't hoop for some for some reason. <laughs> they act like he's so toxic. I don't know, but so I will. I'll say this: I was really excited about watching the next Nets. I think they're going to be the favorites to come out of the East. I think they're going to meet the Lakers in the finals. But on the other side, it is just one game, but I am concerned about the Warriors. I agree. And, you know, I had them making the playoffs, obviously. I still think they will because Steph is a top-five player in my eyes, and if he's a top-five player, there's no way he's missing the playoffs healthy. But the pieces that they have surrounding him, I, I just – there's not enough scoring. There's not enough outside scoring. There's not enough IQ. And I just don't know if some of these pieces that they have fit the system – necessary to win games or necessary to just play the way Steve Kerr wants to play. I think it's time right. to look, man, if you want to win or you want to make it to the playoffs, it's time to run that high pick and roll with Steph Curry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. We we saw it in the in the finals with the Raptors. He made do drop 54. Look, Steve, I'm sorry. I know you love this motion offense. You're not going to make the playoffs doing this. I, I just – I don't think so. So, unless they incorporate more high pick and rolls and kind of just adopting some of that old Rockets offense, they're going to have a hard time. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. And that's kind of where I was going to go to. Like I said, we both are very big Steph fans, both agree top five player in the league, best point guard in the league. But I think that with their, the pieces around them, I think with Clay, I think they definitely were a top-level team. 
No, I, I didn't pick them to win the championship, but I definitely thought that they could at least go to the second round. And then when you get to the second and third round, hey, anything can happen. Uh, right. But I just thought once Clay went down, I thought their ceiling was probably a seventh or a sixth or seventh seed that gets bounced in the first round, you know, kind of what the Mavs were last year. They, they'll take a good team to six games just because of how good uh, Steph Curry is. Um, but I completely agree with you. I'm worried about them because their outside shooting is basically non-existent outside of Steph Curry. Andrew Wiggins, you don't know what you're going to get. James Wiseman looked good, but at the end of the day, he is still a center in a guard and wing-dominated league. Um, Then you look at, you know, guys like – Yeah, yeah, he's 19. So then you look at guys like Eric Paschal, you know, Jordan Poole. You're looking at guys like, um, you know – uh, Kelly Oubre, who's I think got overrated in Phoenix. He's a good player, but he's not a star. He's a he's a good player. Right. Um, then you look at their bench. Their bench is non-existent. They're starting some dude named uh, Watermaker. And no offense, Watermaker, if you're listening to this podcast, but I don't know who you are, and that's not good. Um, so, um, <laughs> like, I mean, you got guys. Marquise Chris is coming. I mean, like. And then, like I said, this motion offense, come on, Steve Kerr. I love you. I think you're a great coach. I don't think you get the credit that you deserve for coaching up those Warriors teams. But the days of having Sean Livingston, Iguodala, Kevin Durant, uh, Barbosa, these high IQ players that knew how to space the floor, <coughs> excuse me, knew how to pass, knew how to pass and shoot and dribble, like those days are gone. You have a bunch of average players outside of Steph Curry who's in an elite player. I agree with you wholeheartedly. If they want to win games, they're going to have to go to a Kobe 06 offense, a James Harden offense. One yeah. four pick and roll, Steph at the top, run pick and roll with Wiseman or whoever the center is, spread the floor and let Steph cook. Because this motion offense, triangle, spurs, hybrid that he's instituted, it works when you got shooters like Steph and Clay. You have a seven foot monster in Kevin Durant. But when you don't have those pieces, Sometimes you, the basic stuff works. And like I said, at the end of the day, the Warriors aren't winning a championship. So they should try to win as many regular season games as possible. And the best way to do that in a 72-game season is to let Steph Curry go crazy. And that is just simply putting him 1-4, high pick and roll, shooters on the wing in the corner, and let's get after it. It's as simple as that okay. uh, because they're not winning like this. And that game was like Oubre and – Wiggins combined for 19 points. Like that's yeah. that's that's your that's your starting two guard and your starting three guard. That's not you know Wiggins had 13 and Uber had six points. Steph only had 20. <laughs> so you got two guys in your starting five. Your second and third leading scores you know combined for less than your you know your top leading score. So that's. And of course, we're gonna, you're going to get Draymond back, so you know you're adding IQ, so you're kind of fixing one of the problems in a sense. But the problem with Draymond is he's not a scorer. He's not going to help you score the ball. Yes, he's a, a great screener, defender, but they need scoring. They need the people to put the ball in the hole, and right. and that's why I think. And and I want to touch on the Nets. That's why I was very impressed with the Nets, and their defense is still a little suspect because the Warriors did miss a lot of open shots that other teams will make. But the reason I was impressed with the Warriors, not only because of Kevin Durant's return from injury, which, like I said, we both – I thought he'd be okay. 
just because of his skill set. Um, I thought he, if there's a guy to come back from an Achilles and still be really good, um, it would be Kevin Durant. Like I said, all the pieces kind of work for him. He had an extended rehab along with we're in 2020. So he's got the best treatment that you could possibly think of uh, to uh, bounce back from an injury like that. Um, and like I said, the offense itself looked what I expected. I thought that um, it, it was basically a a your turn, my turn offense, but it but they had enough flow within the offense that allowed other people to be successful. And that's why I think also I think the Nets' strength is their bench. And we both had discussed whether or not they should trade for James Harden and, you know, what it would take to take uh, James Harden away from Brooklyn. But after watching that game, I don't think they need James Harden. I think they need to keep the crew they have. Just because when you can bring out guys off the bench like a, a Karis LeVert and a Jared Allen and, you know, you can mix and match different lineups and have a guy like Joe Harris come off the bench. Where you have legit starters that are on your second unit, a guy like Karis LeVert, who would start on pretty much every other team in the league, um, guys like Spencer Dinwiddie, like you have legit starters on your bench that can come in and eat on second units. I think Kyrie and KD are more than enough to hold down your first unit. And then if you, you know, uh, bench one of those guys and arrest one of those guys, with Karis LeVert, Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. Yeah, you, you can do something with that. Um, so I was very impressed with Kyrie, especially Kyrie just reminded people just who he is. Um, arguably the most skilled point guard in NBA history, left hand, right hand, dribble, pull up, hezzy, the best handles, the best, best handle. handle in the game, top, top three ever. I mean, handle ridiculous was pulled from half court at the end of the quarter, um, I just think they're an offensive juggernaut. I think it's scary for the league. I People remember Steph and KD. This is maybe better in a sense of offensively, not maybe team-wise because the Warriors were a fantastic team. But individually, I think Kyrie, even though Steph is a better shooter, I think Kyrie has more of a scorer's mindset in a sense. They both on a game. It wouldn't surprise me if one of these nights we have a 40-40 game, like a uh, Kyrie LeBron finals type. Oh, what I'm because doing. when those two guys get going, there's not nobody in the world stopping them. There's not a soul. And when you got Mike D'Antoni and Steve Nash basically giving you the green light, if people watch that game, there were guys pulling up with eight seconds into the shot clock. Guys are yanking threes. Like they, they have free reign to do whatever they want offensively. So I think that, especially in the Eastern Conference, I don't see anybody stopping them. You got two top 10 players in the league. Kevin Durant, in my opinion, now healthy, the best player in the league. Um, it's scary hours for the Eastern Conference. So um, they better get ready. Um, so I was very impressed with the Nets. The Warriors, not so much, but I do believe in Steph Curry. Um, I am going to respect that man as a two-time MVP, uh, three-time champion. So um, I think Steph can get it together and at least get him in the playoffs. And, hey, like last year, you get in the playoffs, um, Anything can happen. Injuries, uh, bad play, hey, you never know. Um, so that's kind of our thoughts on that. So we're going to get to these Christmas Day games. Um, so there were the uh, Pelicans and uh, Miami Heat. Then you had the Warriors and uh, Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, you had the Lakers and Clippers. I'm sorry, uh, Lakers and Mavs. Um, and then you have the Clippers 
uh, playing uh, later tonight. So uh, just kind of want to get your thoughts on the Christmas Day games, uh, kind of what you thought about them going forward. Um, um, and it's kind of uh, who you think may win and then kind of uh, uh, any standout performers uh, for Christmas Day. Well, now that we're at the time that we are recording, the, the Pelicans and Miami Heat game is now finished. And I will say I was late to the Brandon Ingram party. Mm-hmm. I know he's really good. I know he's a great scorer and stuff like that. But he's looking like he's definitely going to make that next step this season, especially if, uh, you know, Van Gundy makes him the closer and kind of lets him make all the plays, you know, in crunch time and stuff like that. I feel like that would be the next step for that team because we didn't get to see that last year, at least not enough. And he's definitely capable of it. Um, The Miami Heat, I wasn't – I didn't see anything I wasn't expecting. You know, obviously they have shooters that can get really, really hot. They got a top three shooter in the league on their team that – well, at least that's what most people would uh, agree on. You know, and a lot of great pieces. I would like to see James Harden go to the Heat. Was another discussion for another day. Yeah, they need to give up Tyler Hero for him. I'm sorry, Heat fans. If that's what the uh, Houston Rockets are asking for, Tyler Hero and some spare parts, please stop, stop, stop. Let's do the deal, please. Stop overthinking it. (laughs) Please. Now, I would say, if anything, once again, I'm most excited to see the Nets play. I want to see the Nets play the Celtics. I want to see. I want to see Kyrie go crazy because he's again gotten this. Oh, you think he? You think he's gonna go crazy on the label. team that that called him crazy, and he's the reason they couldn't win? I I hope so. <laughs> I really do. I really do. I really want to see him go berserk. I want to see KD go crazy too. But I want Kyrie to have like a classic Christmas game, like in 2016, in, in a, just a beautiful fashion. I don't want to see a blowout. I want to see a good game. I want to see Kyrie close it out. So, you know, some way, somehow, that's what I would like to see. And then with the Mavs and Lakers, I would also like to see Luka Hoop out tonight. I want to see him. I mean, he's been given a lot of, I'm not going to say undeserving praise. No, you're right. A lot has been heaped on him. A lot has been heaped on him. Uh, A lot of people picked him for MVP this year. So if that's the case, I would love to see an MVP performance. Against you know what I'm saying the 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 defending champions, so and, and and honestly, I would believe that's who they would be playing had they beat the Clippers. So is the Lakers in the playoffs? So I would just like to see that matchup and see how this game is going to go down. But uh, overall, that's really what I'm most excited about in terms of the games. What about yeah, you? pretty much the same. Um, I mean, I'm I'm really excited for um, like I said, Kevin Durant. Anytime I can see. Kevin Durant play, I'm excited. Um, the Celtics, you know, the Celtics are one of those teams that I think uh, their reputation supersedes actually how good they are. I think a lot of people are just waiting on them to to, nice. to be that team, and it's like they really aren't that team. I think people, people think they're better than what they actually are just because of their draft picks and their history, and it's like, yeah, they really haven't done anything. So, um, Boston, like I said, I'm always excited to see Jason Tatum. I think Jalen Brown, um, once again, I'm, I'm still waiting on that next step from him. I thought Tatum took that step last year. I'm still waiting on Tatum to, I mean, sorry, Jalen Brown to really establish himself as a top 20 to 25 player. 
Um, and just right now, I feel like he's on that fair end. It's like that 35-40 range. And I just think if the Celtics want to get where they ultimately believe they should be, he's got to take that next step. Um, I just think right. that if you want to compete with the Nets with two, like I said, top 10 players, two Hall of Fame players, you got to be able to be on that level in the playoffs. And I think right now, if I'm being honest, I don't even know if he's on Chris Middleton's level. Like, And so – that's the, the issue to me with the Celtics. Um, That's I'm always excited to see Steph Curry and the Warriors. Um, Giannis, I think, has a mindset that a lot of young guys don't have. So I appreciate him um, kind of wanting to um, – I, I do. I don't think signing that extension was the best thing for him, but he does have the mindset of he wants to win in Milwaukee um, and he wants to be the reason that they do win. Um, so I, I, I can respect that. Um, I respect his mentality co- coming into the game. So um, I'm always excited to watch the Greek freak. Um, and like I said, Steph Curry is Steph Curry. He's a showman. Um, so, And I am interested in James Wiseman. Um, I thought he was impressive in his debut. Um, so I'm excited to see him in extended minutes. Um, he was my number one player going into that draft. So I'm excited to see him. Um, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, like I said, um, I'm excited to see the Clippers. You know, like I said, uh, I picked them to go to the finals last year, um, and uh, they disappointed me. So I picked them again to go to the finals this year. Um, so <laughs> they better not disappoint. I have the Clippers and the Nets in the finals. So one of those teams better be there because last year my Sixers didn't get there, um, and that that didn't that didn't do well. So uh, like I said, just uh, the, uh, the Sixers. Yeah, I know. That's what you, that's what you I do. do. I do. Yeah. As much as we talk about skill, I'm relying on a guy that can't make a jump shot. So, <laughs> so that's on me. But uh, I'm not making that mistake again. So, like I said, I'm excited for the games. Um, like I said, eat good and all that. So, uh, we're going to go ahead and wrap uh, wrap up this podcast with just the last segment, um, just discussing what Christmas means to us um, as individuals. Um, so, uh, I'm going to start off since you went first the last couple times. Um, to me, Christmas um, is definitely a, a time of family. Um, I still kind of I compare it to Thanksgiving in the sense of it's the three S uh, family uh, now football and um, food. You know, I, I think Christmas is a, a great holiday, a time to gather the family um, and open up gifts. But I think as we get older, um, I think I know for me personally, the more Christmas means to me more is just seeing my family, um, just seeing everybody be ha- uh, healthy, especially with this coronavirus and the pandemic. Um, and I know uh, with uh, our favorite player, Kobe Bryant passing, um, you know, this year, it just makes you realize uh, just how short life is and to cherish every day, cherish your family members, cherish your idols, cherish um, the people that you, you love. So um, like I said, as I got older, Gifts became less important, and it's more just about making sure the family's good and healthy. Um, like I said, as long as I can see uh, my family happy, I'm excited. You know, Christmas is good for me. It's always excited to get gifts, except when you get that white little box. And you know some clothes in there, so we all know what that is. So we don't want that. <laughs> but um, like I said, I love Christmas. I love the Christmas spirit, just that everybody seems to be in a good mood around Christmas. So. Uh, that's kind of what Christmas means to me and uh, kind of why I love it. And uh, to piggyback off of everything you were saying, especially the part about health, like you were saying, not only because 
of the pandemic and COVID, but just the fact that we're getting older. Yeah. So of course our family and our parents especially are getting older. So, you know, every, each and every day, every year, it becomes increasingly important that, you know, they stay in good health. You know what I'm Absolutely. saying? And so that obviously is one of the most important things to me, along with the fact that, like, honestly, along with, you know, our parents getting older and ourselves, it kind of changes your mindset on the holiday itself. Like, it's no longer about, well, I can't wait to see what I'm getting. Right. You know, you kind of get more excited to see other people opening gifts, mm-hmm. especially watching my niece and nephew, you know, open stuff up yesterday, and my mom and sister and everything. It just, you, as you get older, you, it just happens. It right. just, like overnight, it just happens. Your perspective on the holiday, it's just no longer about you. Exactly. And you just kind of look at it as, or, you know, the happiness on others' faces is what, you know, brings you happiness yourself. So I think that's what Christmas has kind of turned into or turned into for me. And I think that's why it makes it special now. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely agree. So like I said, uh, Christmas is very important to us um, as a as a family and just, um, you know, as a person, like I said, as you get older, just you realize the important things in life. So um, that's going to be it for today's podcast. I uh, want to appreciate you guys tuning in uh, for this Christmas holiday. Um, so I want you guys to stay safe out there, uh, you know, hang out with your family, eat some food, watch some basketball. Uh, remember to watch the game, please. Don't just look at the box score. Um, so like I said, just enjoy, watch the games. Um, and then like I said, please leave us a five-star review on Apple um, iTunes. Uh, please share, rate, and subscribe. Um, so like I said, once again, appreciate you guys tuning in. Um, until next time, uh, peace. Uh, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. All right. We out.